going to continue our study on the home and the family. We began this morning and, and uh, kind of inferred this morning there's so many different ways you can approach this subject, so many different directions you can go, and, and uh, uh, we're going to try to do it this way. <laughs> we uh, talked about the importance of building on a good, solid foundation this morning, and, and uh, maybe we spent more time than was really necessary in doing that, I think. The fact that we're here and the fact that we've come and the fact that we've chosen this subject indicates that that the church and you as individuals uh, are concerned about building on a good foundation and using the Word of God to help guide your family and direct your family in ways that God would have them to go. Uh, but we, we wanted to stress that before we, got, before we went further in the studies. And, and uh, as we continue our thoughts this afternoon, I think you were given an outline uh, you know, I taught history and government at Murray College at Tishmingo for ten years, and uh, first couple of first couple of weeks of each of my classes, I would try to teach my students how to outline a chapter and how to take notes, because I didn't want to make their notes for them. But now we've grown to a point where we use PowerPoint and we print out notes for people, and so you making it easier for you. That's but. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, you've got an outline, and my outlines, as you can see, are very brief, and uh, I usually go a, a completely different direction oftentimes from the outlines that I have in front of me. We're going to talk about God-directed, obedient love, and when we talk about the home and family, and we talk about building on that solid foundation, I think the place where we need to begin, and that's where I ask my, myself that question, where did God begin with the children of Israel? Where did he begin with his people? And you go back and you look at the children of Israel as they formed as a nation, and God gave them the law, the law of Moses. We often focus on that law. We always, often talk about how important it is was for them to be obedient to that law as it is for us to be obedient to the teachings that he gives us. But in doing that, some very fundamental things was important. And as I made a slight reference to this morning, Jesus said, you know, if you love me, obey my commandments. He put the love, if you have that love, that connection, that proper connection with me, then you'll uh, obey my commandments rather than the other way around. Uh, Not saying that we can't develop a love for the Lord by obeying God's commandments. Certainly we can, but we need to put love in the proper place. And I have here some of the ways that love is used, and I know that we use love in a different way, but the way that that, uh, I'm using it and the passages that I will use, it's talking about, it comes from the word agape or one near that, and it's talking about our focus, what we do and what we can obey. It's a love that can be commanded. Uh, oftentimes we, we talk about love as, as something we feel. And uh, I know that uh, people have kind of questioned that and said, well, uh, that's maybe not every time. But I'm still waiting for somebody to show me a commandment somewhere in the Bible where God commanded man to feel anything. And I can't find a place where he commands you to feel anything. Now, he does command us to do certain things, and he created us as a being with feelings and emotions. And I, But I believe that the Bible teaches that when we obey his command to love, then we will, we will have the kind of feelings that we often associate uh, with love. We'll make that a little clearer, hopefully. Hopefully, make, make it clear as we go through the study. In Matthew chapter 22, Matthew chapter 22, Jesus is... Uh, being attacked by the uh, the uh, higher-ups of that time. A lawyer asked him, uh, and he was tempting him, saying, Master, what is the great commandment in the law? 
And Jesus does it this way. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And then he gives the second commandment. Uh, is likened to it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, everything is hanging on that. That's, that's supporting everything that has to do with your relationship with God through the law. It's going to be based on, on those, two law, those two commandments. To love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Whatever's lacking in our life that would keep us from doing that, we need to remove and we need to focus on trying to do that. If we don't do that, and I think we miss the point sometimes when we talk about a husband's responsibility or a wife's responsibility, but we're talking about, when we're talking to Christian people, to godly people, the, where we need to begin is our love for God. And that's what we need to, we need to put a question mark by that. How much do we really love God? How much do we really care about God? How important is that relationship that we have to God? When you pray, what do you think about when you pray to God? Are you thinking about saying the right things, getting everything, dotting all the I's and and saying it just right and making sure you honor Him properly? Are you really talking to God, really focusing on Him as an entity that loves you and cares about you and wants to give you eternal life? Because that's what He is. I talked about my grandson this morning, used something that probably was a little inappropriate in what he had said, because he's a, he's a good little boy, and, and probably all youngsters at some time or another will slip and say something that they shouldn't, or hear something they shouldn't, and then repeat it. But he's a good little boy, and, and uh, we focus on that an awful lot. And, and uh, I asked him here a while back, I said, I said, Rylan, do you know how much I love you? And he said, how much, Granddad? And I said, as far as the earth is from the moon is how much I love you. And I thought, boy, that would really impress him, you know. And he said, Granddad, he said, you know how much I love you? And I said, no, but I want to know. He said, I love you more than garbage stinks. And I I thought, okay. (laughs) I had to think about that a little bit. I thought, well, that's pretty good. I said, where did that come from? And he said, oh, my daddy said that when we went out to the dump the other day and dumped some trash. They, he does construction work. And he took, took Rylan with him out to the dump, and that's what he told him. I asked that Rylan one day. I said, I said uh, do you love your daddy, Rylan? And he says, oh, granddad. You know, I, wish you could, I wish I could mimic what he did. He said, oh, granddad. He just rolled his eyes. His eyes rolled around. He said, he's the greatest. Can you remember feeling that way about somebody, by a dad, by your parent or somebody? That's the way we need to feel about God. That's the way we really need to feel, and I'm talking about feelings here, about God. That's, that's the way we need to think about God. He's great. He loves us. He cares for us. Let's go back to the book of Deuteronomy just for a minute. And let's look at a passage here. Now remember, Deuteronomy is Moses speaking to the children of Israel and writing as it is for us and, and speaking to them. They're about to go into the promised land. He's not being able to go into the promised land. He's reiterating things that that uh, they are to know and that are important concerning their relationship to God. And uh, in verse 4 of that chapter, of Deuteronomy chapter 6, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. See, that's what Jesus said, wasn't it? Same thing, basically. Love the Lord thy God with all thine soul, with all thy heart, with all thy mind. And I think that's where we need to start. And if we don't have that kind of love, that's what we need to work on. We talk about 
uh, self-examination. We talk about taking notes and applying it to ourselves. Are there things I need to do? Do I need to work on my prayer life? Do I need to work on... And I hate to say my Bible study because we're big on that. We're, we got that corner marketed on studying the Bible and reading the Bible. We talk about how important it is to know your Bible and read your Bible. But that personal relationship we have to God, is that really what it, it needs to be? What do I need to do? Do I need to go off by myself and just, just talk to God? Do I need to really pray and open up? Do I need to change the format in which I use when I pray and I talk to God? But that's what he says. Now notice as we continue on here. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Now I'm going to come back to this. We talk about parenting later on. We talk about how, how important it is as parents to teach our children because he continues on to talk about that. But again, the first thing is you love God with everything you have. You put Him in your heart. That's where He needs to be, in the, in the center, the essence of your being. If He is, then it's going, to, it's going to cause us to want to do everything that He wants done. This little grandson that I talk about, and you can relate that to anybody you know or to yourself, but that little grandson, sometimes he gets a little disappointed because he can't do things that he thinks that he wants to do. And I'll go back to the very thing that we just talked about. And I said, Riley, how much does your daddy love you? And he said, oh, granddad, I know what you're going to say. And I said, you want to do what your daddy tells you to do because you know your daddy loves you, don't you? He said, yes, I do. And uh, I said, you know that, that uh, you need to do this because your daddy loves you. And, of course, he's four years old. We'll give him a break. He'll say, yeah, but granddad, I want, you know. But that's the way we need to think about God. God loves us, and we need to love Him, and, and we need to have that kind of connection with Him as a child would with a father. Deuteronomy chapter 10, again, talking about uh, again the law in the same situation. Deuteronomy 10 and 12, And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him, to serve Him, uh, to serve the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul. Our service is not to be just out of something that uh, 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 that we just do because because we're religious people. It's because of a personal relationship that we have have with God. I don't know how to how to uh, stress that anymore, but I hope that we can all see how important that is. And each one of us need to look at our relationship with God and try to find a way to enhance that even more. Now, maybe you're way ahead of me, but I know that I've had a lot that I've had to work on in my own personal life to feel closer to God. And I want to tell you just briefly some of the things that I've done. I, you know, I've, I've taught to pray at night before I go to bed. Somebody asked me today if, uh, if uh, I knew Foy Mitchell. And I said, yeah, I remember Foy Mitchell. He come and held a meeting in uh, our community when my son, who is 45 now, 44 now, uh, when he was two years old, he held a gospel meeting in our community. And, and the first night, it was a t- 10-day meeting, and he started on Friday night. And the first night of the meeting, he walked up to the front, and, and he quoted a passage from Psalms. And he walked up like this, and my son Ryan is sitting right where you are. And he said, do you know who said that? And he pointed right at, not Ryan, his daddy, David's nose, just like that. And my son David He's two years old or three, just kind of, uh-uh. 
And Foy Mitchell didn't have a clue who he was, but he said, David said that. Of course, that was his name. Neither knew it. It was just by chance. But he just looked up at me. He just smiled at me. <laughs> he thought, wow. Guess where, guess where Foy Mitchell had David the rest of that meeting? He had him in the palm of his hand. He sat on the edge of the seat and listened to every word that he had. He was very animated in his teaching, you know. And during that whole meeting, there was a good relationship developed. I don't know what you think about Foy Mitchell. That's not important to me. But when he left that place, here's what he said. He said, uh, pray for me. He was going. He was in a hurry to get someplace. And I said, well, you need to be careful. You know, the Lord needs people like you, so be careful. He said, well, pray for me, Brother Jones. And he caught himself and he said, no, better yet. He said, have those kids. And they're all standing by me. David's the little one. Casey, the one who was here this morning. And Tracy, my oldest, said, you have these kids pray for you. I know God will hear them. I wonder about you and me sometimes, but I know He'll hear them. So on the way home, we, I tell this story to my children. And so every night, we would have prayer with our children. And I'm going to ask them when I get home, or next time I see them, if they still pray for Brother Mitchell. But they were way up, 10 and 11, 12 years old, and they were still saying their prayers at night, and they were praying for Brother Mitchell. They remembered that. And we teach our kids how to pray, don't we? And we have this method that we go through through prayer. All of that story is to get through your prayer life. Okay? Well, one of the things that you can do, maybe to enhance your personal relationship to God, you ever thought about texting Him? Or sending Him an email? No, I don't know His address. Our Heavenly Father, or our Father who art in heaven, I guess would be the best way. But I, in people that I work with and sometimes counsel with, I encourage them to write a letter to God. And they, when they write this letter to God, I ask them to address God in a reverent manner and to cast all of their cares on them. And whenever I talk about their cares, what they're really concerned about, what they really feel strongly about. And to write it down, understanding that God is going to receive that and God is going to be concerned about that because He's concerned about your cares and your, 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 uh, your emotions and uh, where you are in life. It means something to God. And I try to have them write that down. There's something about doing that. There's something about doing that. Because when you do, you're going to be a lot more honest than you are when you just have one of these mental prayers. That just kind of, you know, you talk it out in your mind. But whenever you write it out and you look at what you've written, you look back at that and say, you know what? Maybe I need to scratch that out and say it this way because God knows exactly the way I am. He knows what I'm really fearful of. He knows what I'm in danger of. He knows my weaknesses and He knows my temptations. Now all of this, I know, is just, it's just basic information that's important to us to help us develop our, a better relationship with God. But I, I believe this with all of my heart and soul. If we want to be a better husband, if we want to be a better wife, if we want to be a better mother, a better brother, a better sister, a better, better parent to our to our parents, or better, better child to our parents, excuse me, and a better parent to our parents, it starts with our relationship with God. And the richer that is, the more meaningful that is to each one of us, the more it's going to mean uh, to our relationship to God. Secondly to that, love thy neighbor as thyself. You care about that. Who's your neighbor? Of course, Jesus was asked that. And you know what Jesus, how Jesus responded? 
He responded by telling the story of a person that was in need and a person that was helped. I believe my son in the last uh, two or three years has probably taught me more about loving my neighbor than I thought was possible to be taught. I thought I understood that. But I've watched him, and I've watched him and his relationship with other people, his care for others, and his service to other people. And I've asked him about that, and I said, Dave, how do, you, how do you do that? I know I didn't teach you that. You didn't see that example in me because I really haven't been that way like I should, but I admire that trait and that quality in you. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't have a lot of faults because he does, but, but I did admire that trait in him, and, and he picked that up somewhere. And he understood, and he says, the more, the more I focus on trying to help other people, the closer I feel towards God, the more it draws me to God. I try to look at another person regardless of what they've gotten themselves into. The other day I went with him to help him build a porch, and a porch railing and a ramp for a fellow that's just lived the rough, roughest kind of life you can possibly imagine. He's become a Christian, but he's in poor health because of his, his uh, lifestyle. And... Uh, Doing that, he had an old piece of junk out there in his yard, and it was an old junk of a lawnmower, and, and uh, it was kind of like what David had, and David said, I wonder what he'd take for that. And I said, I don't know, he ought to give it to you, you know. And I went in, I figured I'd give it to him. It's a piece of junk, for crying out loud. It had four flat tires. It had dirt and trash all over it. And I said, hey, what do you take for that line? He said, what do you want with it? And I told him, I said, well, David might want some parts off of it or something. David worked all day working on his porch. He said, I'll take $100. <laughs> David was about ready to shell out $100 for it. I talked him out of it. And it aggravated me. And my son had done so much to help this guy. And instead of giving him this piece of junk that will sit there and eventually be thrown in a ditch somewhere, he wanted to charge him $100 for it. And I wouldn't let David pay for it or talk him out of it. And that was my bad. And my son told me, he said, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. What matters is what that what we did or what I did or what you and I did. I didn't do anything but watch him on his porch had nothing to do with that lawnmower. And he was really right. I felt so bad. I felt so small in his presence and his sight because of the attitude that he had. And I'm not saying that he doesn't make a lot of mistakes, but he because he does. But that's the point I'm trying to make. And he says, that helps me. When I, do that, when I try to find some way to do that for other people, it helps me feel closer to God. And whenever I think about God and I talk to God, it enriches, enriches that relationship. So if that will work for you, but whatever it would be, I think it will, it will help us in our relationship with God. And if we'll do that, it'll mean so much to us. In Romans chapter 13, Romans chapter 13, <clears throat> The first part of this chapter, Paul is talking about uh, respecting government and honoring the government. But starting in verse 8, he says, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. But to love one another. What does this love mean? Well, we're going to talk about that in just a minute before I get through. We're going to focus on what that love really means and how you do that and how that's carried out. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for, uh, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in, in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill 
to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. What did these things have to do with loving one another? Now look at that and think about that just for a minute. Thou shalt not covet what? Covet what? What you got? I'm not bearing witness. What's bearing false witness? That's lying to you. Lying to who? You. You see, if I really care about you, I am not going to lie to you. If I really care about you, if I really love you and respect you and honor you, then I'm not going to covet what you have. I'm not going to lie to you. I am not going to commit adultery. I'm not going to take what's not mine but what is yours. I'm not going to kill. I'm not going to hate. I'm not going to do these things, you see, because it's all governed by love, that relationship we have to one another. You see how that works? See? If we love Jesus didn't go through all of those things until he was pinned to the wall on one occasion when he just simply said, keep the commandments. Well, which ones? The rich young ruler would ask him. You remember that? And he enumerates these things. But how did Jesus do it? Love God. How? With all your heart. With all your soul. With all your mind. With all your strength. You develop that relationship with Him. And then you love one another just like that. Just like you do yourself. Like you respect yourself and honor yourself and cover yourself. You, you do that with other people. When you see another person, it's an extension of what you are. You look at somebody that's in need. It could be you that's in need, so forth. That's the idea that we need to have. First John chapter 4. <clears throat> First John chapter 4. He, John here... Uh, there's a writer in the New Testament that's more, I won't say qualified, but uh, who spends more time talking about love. It would be John. Listen to what he says, and starting in verse 7. Beloved, 1 John 4 and 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifest the love of God towards us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we should live through Him. And that's kind of what we're talking about, living through Him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, what? Can you fill in the blanks? We ought to love one another. On down to verse 18. Uh, Verse 16. And we have known and believed that the love that God hath to us, God is love, he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in Him. That's why we're stressing this so much as we move forward with this study. Herein is our is our love made perfect, that we may be uh, may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love; love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love Him because He first loved us. If a man say, "I love God," and hated his brother. He is a liar. He that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this is the commandment that we have of him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Do you know, is everybody on the same page here? We all understand how important love is? And you're probably sitting there saying, we all know that. Okay. Let's, let's move on then. Let's go to something else. Let's define love. Let's define what it is. Sam Potter used to use this. Somebody said, how, you, how do you spell how do you spell love? And he spelled it G-I-V-E. G-A-V-E. God gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. What is love? It's a giving. 
God loved the world while we were yet sinners. He commended His love towards us that He gave us, He gave us Jesus Christ. God's love for us goes together with His giving what was necessary for our fulfillment. Okay? This is very important when we start studying about family and getting into detail as we'll do more next Sunday. But it's very important that we do this and understand it. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And I challenge people to do word studies. You, some of you people are probably a lot more proficient at doing that than I am. Uh, but I'd encourage you to do so on some of these words. I'm going to start reading with uh, verse 21 of Ephesians chapter 5. And I want you to notice this. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Now I want you to notice the husband's role as we go down through here. Because when we start talking about the home and family, I believe it begins with the husband. It begins with that individual that was given this responsibility in the role of being the head in the home and in the family. It's very important. Wives have their place and have their role, and that's very clear as well. But right now, I want us to focus on what God says about the husbands. It's going to tie into what we've been talking about in regards to love. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. What's he talking about? He's talking about Christ and His love for the church, isn't He? Well, I thought He's talking about husbands and wives. So ought men, next verse, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. Men, you need to love your wives as your own bodies. what's, What's the analogy here? What's the comparison here? He was talking about what? what, uh, How Christ loved the church. How Christ gave Himself for the church. What's the church? It's His body. Now husbands, what are you to do? You to love your wives as your own bodies. He that loveth loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. What did the Lord do to the church? He nourished it and cherished it. Why? Because He loved it. Now we go on. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Now, actually, we're going to come back with the wife later on. But right now, I want you to think about what he has told the husbands to do. They're to be the head in this relationship, aren't they? And what did he tell them to do? He says, you love your wives like Christ loved the church. In fact, he commanded them at least three times, inferred it maybe a couple of more times, that they are to love their wives, men are to love their wives, husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. That's a command. Now I said, did I say it this morning? Or did, was it this evening? That I didn't know of a place in the Bible where, where God commanded us to feel anything? But He commands us to do something, doesn't He? 
He commands us to love like Christ's love. That ought to be clear, but we have trouble with it. Let's back up here just a little bit. Verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself, I think, uh, I think the New King James, maybe the American Standard says, gave himself up for it. And that's what he did. Christ gave himself up for his bride, the church. Now, what does that mean to you and I? And like I said, he commanded at least three times. And he commands something that can be carried out and obeyed. We want feelings. We want emotions in our relationship with God, our relationship with the object of our love, excuse me, in the object of our love, whether it be God, whether it be our wives, whether it be our children, whatever it is. We want that emotion and those feelings that we're talking about. But he tells us if you do these things, then that will come about in a natural way. But notice what he said, that you might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church. Guys, husbands, husbands-to-be, I don't know how many husbands-to-be's we might have, fathers, grandfathers, do we ever look at our wives and say, what can I do? to make you as pure and to make you as presentable as you possibly can be. You know what happens a lot of times in homes where we have breakdowns that children grow up in? Sometimes they see problems and friction between mother and dad, between husband and wife. They see this because oftentimes in that relationship, in that relationship there's the husband wanting the wife to be a certain thing and wanting her to do this and wanting her to be this and wanting her to look like this and to act like this. And what's our role in this as husbands? We're to give ourselves so that she can be and can accomplish those very things. So all men to love their wives as their own body. Let's look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is the same word, same love. It's, it's called charity here in the King James. I know I probably have done this here before in the past, but again, I think it's very important to the, to the role that we're talking about here, the purpose that we're talking about. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he talks about charity or love. It's the same word. Starting in verse 4. Love suffereth long and is kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemingly, seeks not her own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love will never fail. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease, and so forth. Let's stop our reading there. So what does he say here in regards to defining what love is? Now, ever since I've got up here this afternoon, that's what I've talked about in it. Loving God, then you'll want to keep His commandments. Loving your neighbor as yourself will help you in your relationship with God, but loving your neighbor as yourself on these two hang all the... How do you love? How do you do that? How did God love us? How are we to love one another? How am I to love my wife? How are my children that I bring into this world, what are they to see whenever I love my wife? Whenever they understand what love really is and they begin to seek a mate... And have a relationship with them. All of these things are very, very important. Now, let's, let's look at this. What does he say love is? He says it's patient and kind. Again, these things are, every one of them are under your control and my control. And it's a command we have from God. 
And I'd like to encourage, I'd like to challenge everybody here right now to think of a time when you knew you should be in a loving situation or you should love a person and you didn't. You just didn't. Be honest with yourself, you didn't. You wanted to strike out, you wanted to say things. You know the feeling I had with the guy that wanted to charge my son $100 for a piece of junk after the work that he had done for him was not loving at all that I had. But I want you to think about that. When have you ever, surely there's been times that you, you can think of that you haven't been patient, you haven't been kind. But you can be. And that's a challenge that we have. It's under our control. Even if I don't feel patient, maybe I feel very impatient. I can be patient. I can be kind. I can say kind words. Not jealous. Doesn't covet. Humble. It's not about self. But focusing on another person. Another person's well-being. It would behoove all of us, probably, if we would look at ourselves and say, what have I said today as we close our day? What have I said today that seemed to focus more on me than it did on the other individual? Did I do anything to lift myself up above another, especially my wife or my children or any other person for that matter? Because if it works anywhere, it will work in our home as well. Uh, Being courteous doesn't do anything that's disgraceful to another. Uh, It's unselfish, no guile, keeps no records of wrongs, doesn't delight in wrongs of others. First time I ever did any counseling with a couple trying to help save their marriage, I said, well, can you tell me what's going on? The guy went and got a spiral notebook and he opened it up and I don't know how many pages he had of a record of the things that she had done that he saw that were wrong. That were in violation to Christian principles and in violation to the rules that he had set down in that home. He kept a record of wrongs. And I asked him, I said, do you love your wife? Well, of course I love her wife. Did he? Did he? Well, of course not. You see, love is what we do. It's what we show. Jesus loved the church. He gave Himself for us. We love our wives. We give ourselves for them in every way that we possibly can. We want to lift them up. We want to encourage them in every way that we possibly can. No husband, no husband is playing his proper role in marriage until until he learns to give himself up for his wife, to open his heart to her, to share his emotions and his dreams, his thoughts, his disappointments, and his joys, to fully and openly expose himself to his wife. And there's nothing, I don't believe, and the reason I'll tell you why I believe this, there's nothing that makes a woman happier to know that she's fully uh, entered into her husband's life, nothing fulfills her more than to know that very fact. Now, if you want the authority for that, you can ask my wife, because I copied down just exactly what she told me whenever I asked her. To know that I was a part of life. I asked my wife one time, I said, I can't understand why you care so much for me. I mean, I'm academically, I was at the bottom of the barrel in my class in high school. You were valedictorian of yours two years later. We're just about as far apart, you know. I was as far away from being a good Christian young man 
and she was the top of the line, people would say, well, Brother D. Teal said one time, said, I can't believe, Margaret, that you would marry somebody like him, that you'd even consider marrying somebody like him. Boy, aren't you glad she did? I wouldn't be here today if it hadn't been for her doing that. But you know what I asked her? And I've asked her, I said, what is it? I said, I look at myself and I see somebody that's inferior. I see so many flaws that I have. I said, what do you see? And she says, from the day one, from day one, you've always been open and completely honest with me. She said, do you remember our first day of marriage? I said, are you talking about our wedding night? (laughs) She said, no, I know you remember that. She said, I'm talking about the first day. And I said, yeah, I kind of remember a little bit about it. But I said, what are you talking about? She said, I remember you laying across the bed and you had a notebook and you were describing how many hogs it would take to be able to make so much money to be able to build a certain size house. And, you, and, and, you, and she remembered all this stuff. I don't remember it. But she remembered all of that stuff. But you know what I do remember? I remember in doing that, looking at her one time, and her blue eyes, about as, at that time, they're not that blue anymore, Michael, but they were about as blue as your shirt at the time. And uh, I looked at her, and she was sitting on the bed, and I was doing all this stuff, all this doodling, and her eyes were just as blue and just as misty, and she was looking at me. She wasn't looking at the past. And she said, what meant so much to me was your honesty and your openness with me. And she said, I don't know of a time in our relationship, and I think she'd tell you that if she's here right now, in our 48 years, there's been a time in our relationship that you've hid something or kept something back from me. You've been honest, you've been open with me, and you've always included me in our home and in our relationship. And she said, I'd do anything for you. You're the greatest thing that I could have ever had. Now, I, I, I don't see myself that way. But you understand what, we're trying to, what I'm trying to stress here? On being a, being a good husband, to have a good home, it starts there. We talk about the husband being the head of the family, being the head of the wife. We're going to be the head by the way we treat our wives. How was Christ the head of the church? How was God the head of Christ? How is Christ the head of the man? But how is He the head of the church? What did he do for the church? What did he, he looked down here and he saw that we had needs, we had problems. God commended his what? Love for us while we were yet what? Sinners. Okay, what kind of sense are we doing? We're doing everything wrong. Everything that we're supposed to do right, we're doing wrong. But while we're in that mess, he commended his love towards us with his death on the cross. And that's what God did for you and I. Now, husbands, we're to have that same kind of compassion, that same kind of love for our wives. I promise you, I I guarantee you, if your children grow up in a home where they can see mom and dad with that kind of relationship, that kind of respect and reverence that a wife or mother has for the husband, and that kind of of, uh, uh, willingness for the husband to give himself as completely as he possibly can to his wife, you're going to see a, a, the element of a strong home, the beginning of that good, solid foundation that we talked about this morning. That it's going to have to be that. We're going to have to have that love. And if that's lacking anywhere, we need to start working on it. If there's times that we get impatient, 
and ask ourselves, do I ever get impatient? Well, if you do, that's something to work on. Are there times that we're ever rude? You ever rude to your wife? Ask your wife. She'll tell you. Have her to write it down. Well, work on that. Work on that. Say, somebody says, well, I do work on it. You know, I try to work on it. And I think I've got it licked, but then I'll do something and then, oh man, it's too late then. Is it? You ever hear this word apologize? Oh, come on. Yeah, what's wrong with that? I'll tell you what, whenever Terry Newell and I started doing this family enrichment program in Red River, and I started trying to pull out everything I could probably think of to try to help families be stronger, families and homes, a lot of that stuff come home to me. Oh, I used to apologize, but sometimes it's two or three days later. And it's hard whenever you've been angry or you've been frustrated and, and you feel like your wife was the object of that frustration. But it means a whole lot more if you can do it within an hour. What did the Lord say? Be angry and sin not. What? What? Everybody knows the rest of that statement. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. What's he talking about? You get rid of the fix the problem. If you've been rude, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It'll amaze husbands, guys, it'll amaze you what our wives will put up with whenever they know and understand we really don't mean some of the rude things that we do and say sometimes. That doesn't give us the license just to keep continuing. But I'll promise you this, if we'll do that, if we'll do that within an hour or so of when we do or say something that we shouldn't say, or we've acted impatient, or we've been rude, or what other ever, what other, whatever, whatever other violation of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 of love is, if we'll do it immediately, the next time, it's going to be easier for us to do the right thing. We may slip again, but eventually we'll get to where we can get over that. And you're looking at God's living proof of that. I've used to be the most impatient. I've had more trouble with anger than just about anybody that I've ever met. People talk to me, I've got an anger problem. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you can't hold a candle to what I used to have. But there's some magic words when you say, I love you and I'm sorry and I don't want to be this way. Presented some of this stuff one time in New Mexico, and a lady from Oklahoma jumped up in the back. It wasn't a church group. <laughs> a lot of church people, but not, not a church. Lady. Jumped up and said, I'd walk on coals of fire back to Oklahoma if my husband would be that way with me. But we don't think they're that way. We don't think they're... We think. We think they're different. We think that they think like us a lot of times. They want it to be treated. They want us to be open, want us to be honest. They want us to love them. And I believe with all of my heart and all of our soul, if we fulfill the commitment of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 of loving our, of loving our, our spouses that way, we're going to love our children that way. They're going to see it in, our, in mom and dad's relationship. It's going to be an outpouring then in our relationship with our children. We'll still discipline them. We'll still come down hard sometimes. We have to sometimes. I know we don't like that happen to us, but we will. But it'll start making that bond, that relationship together. It's a bond. That's what love is. That's what First Corinthians chapter, chapter 13, I believe it is. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 
talks about love being the bond. And it is. A bond is a glue. It's an adhesive that holds things together and it'll hold our home and our relationship together. It starts with our love for, for God, our love for our fellow man. If our children can grow up in a home where they can see us love one another and the family and love people outside the family and our community and treat them with respect, it's, it, it goes light years for helping us have a strong, strong home. We can implement a lot of, lot of things that we need to do, but that's what we need to have first and foremost. Lessons yours. Hope we said something that might be helpful in some way. And uh, if so, well, we encourage you in, in your effort to, to uh, follow these teachings to do so. We'll continue our study along these lines uh, in the next, next services that we have. You're here to, to this evening and have need to respond to the invitation. As we pointed out, God loves us. He cares for us. He gave us Jesus as a sacrifice for our sins. And uh, he, wants us to, uh, he wants us to come to Him and give ourselves to Him. One thing that uh, we'll talk about later on, I'll give you a little bit. A lot of these things that we haven't done, that I talk about that we haven't done, what do I do now? Well, we're going to talk about how to correct some of those things, even though we may have really made some bad mistakes along the way, of how to correct some of those things and try to be specific in, in ways that will really help do that. But if you're here and you need Christ as your Savior, the church is here ready to help you and assist you in obedience to the gospel. If you need the prayers of the church, we can help you come to the front while we stand and sing.